and welcome back to another round presented by Imperial Beverage. We are here at EK again, just one more time to talk about one of their heavy hitters. Uh, I am Jacob, and I'm here with Courtney, one of our, uh, actually our only spirits brand manager, as well as the founders of Eastern Kill. And today we're going to talk about one of their most prominent beverages. If you guys do want to listen to uh, the origin story of Eastern Kill, you can check the last episode that we did with them where we discussed two of their new specialty beverages uh, that you can find or are available statewide now. All right. Uh, thank you guys so much for allowing us to come to your uh, wonderful, wonderful bar and uh, allow us to chat with you guys. And yeah, so let's go ahead and get started. So what do we have here? Yeah, welcome back. Thanks for having us again. Today we are going to be chatting a little bit about our business and, and kind of future direction. And we're going to talk about bourbon, not exclusively, but more prominently today. So bourbon's the spirit that got us started in distillation. Um, we love bourbon very much and thought, well, we have all the resources here in Michigan to make a quality bourbon. We have an incredible agricultural system. Um, we have access to one of the most world-renowned fresh water sources um, in the Great Lakes system. And uh, we have a pretty decent weather pattern for aging bourbon. Um, so we thought eight years ago, why not try to put down some really great bourbon and, and see if Michigan can't join that conversation. And fortunately, there's been plenty of other distilleries around the state that thought the exact same thing. And now we've got plenty of local distilleries making really great bourbon all over the state. And, and we're trying to all together kind of create that conversation that bourbon doesn't need to just come from Kentucky. Um, we can make some really great stuff here in, in our state as well. Um, so bourbon is our number one seller. It's, it's what we kind of push the most. We've been fortunate enough to continue branching out and, and expanding our diverse portfolio of spirits. Um, but bourbon has always held kind of that special place in our hearts. So uh, we have a Michigan straight bourbon that is available for every location throughout Michigan, uh, year-round access to that product. And that is all distilled, fermented, aged, and bottled right at our facility in, in Michigan. Um, and uh, because of that program, we then created this secondary program, which is called Bottled and Bond. And much like bourbon, Bottled and Bond is also regulated relatively strictly by the government on what you can put in a bottle that says Bottled and Bond. Um, and for us, this means a lot. Um, bottled and bond, the, the most important rule about bottled and bond is that it has to be distilled at the facility that bottles it. Um, so there's no sourcing of anybody else's bourbon and blending it in. This is strictly our juice that we've made and aged for a minimum of four years, which is the second most important rule of, of bottled and bond, in my opinion. Um, so this is a four-year, a little over four-year product for us. We've been in business for seven years. The, the goal is to continue to aging and maturing um, bourbon, and, and that's a big reason for our expansion that we're going through right now. Um, but in the meantime, let's uh, take a little sip of this and, and chat about some Bottled and Bond bourbon. Cheers. 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 Yeah, so our bourbon is... Mash bills are also really important to kind of flavors that you're trying to coax out of your distillation. Um, we do a 70% corn, 15% rye, 15% malted barley mash bill. That corn is going to give it the ultimate sweetness that then pairs with some of the charred barrel flavors, caramel flavors, and, and things of that nature that you find in a lot of different bourbons. 
Um, the rye is going to provide just a little spice on the back end, a little earthiness um, to create a little bit more complexity. And then that barley is going to create kind of a softer cereal note. Uh, we use a little bit more barley than the average bourbon mash bill, and that's to try to give it a little bit more of a, a better mouthfeel, a better coating on the tongue, um, a little bit more viscosity to the product. And uh, ultimately, we, we hope it to be a nice, easy sipper with, with complexity throughout as well. So, um, so you recommend you using this as a sipper, not necessarily in a cocktail, just due to its nature, Nashville. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody has a different palate, right? So I love drinking bourbon neat. Um, some folks love drinking bourbon over ice. Some folks like pouring Coke in their bourbon. And all of it's good by me as long as they're enjoying it. So um, this product here can be used however anybody sees fit. Um, but yeah, I personally enjoy just uh, sipping it neat out of glass. It's really smooth neat. Like yeah. It, it just, it goes down really easily. Yes. Yeah, so that is... That is the goal to make a very enjoyable, easy drinking product and, uh, you know, incorporate some complexity along the way that can differentiate itself from, from some other products on the market. Uh, but yeah, Bottle and Bond, I mean, it's just a, it's an important product to us. It was, it was established way back when bourbon was becoming a little bit more popular. Um, 1897 goes all the way back to it does. Wow. And it's when bootleggers were realizing the importance of bourbon and they were like, you know what? We can just call anything bourbon. And so they were, <laughs> they were making sugar shine in the woods, putting some food coloring in it and just making it look like bourbon and selling it as is. And, and, and the government kind of realized, Hey, we have something special here. This could be America's spirit for, for centuries to come. And so they started regulating the process of how you make bourbon. And they would have a federal employee in every warehouse. That's why it's called a federally bonded warehouse that you have to make liquor in. Um, with all the technology we have today, we don't have a, there's no human watching us how we do it. But we do have to report very specifically how we're uh, going about making certain products. So um, that's where Bottle and Bond came from. And, and we just love the fact that it differentiated distilleries that were sourcing and blending, which is an art of its own, versus distilleries that were fermenting, distilling, aging all on, all on one site. So this kind of creates that for us. And, and there's just very few bottle and bond brands that are Michigan made right now. And I know there's gonna be probably more popping up on the market, but we're, we're really proud to be one of the first. Is this something that you see as being limited? Or <clears throat> we do don't really see it as being limited. Um, as we get older as a company, this bottle and bond is going to increase in age statement. <laughs> Um, so the, the product might change, we believe, for the better over the course of the next few years as we have more barrels coming online. Um, but no, right, right now, with the age of our company and, and how much we sell in our Michigan straight bourbon, we just don't have unlimited four to five year old barrels of bourbon. So it's, it's available most of the year, but we can't promise it'll be in stock every single day. Um, it's just kind of ebbs and flows as sales patterns and barrels come online, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, this that being said, I would generally recommend this to accounts uh, kind of as an upgrade over our everyday Michigan straight bourbon, just because it's got the extra age under its belt. It also clocks in at 100 proof, which is another staple of the bottled and bond category. And uh, like Brandon mentioned earlier, I think 
This one works better as a standalone pour, uh, but it can also be used in a lot of those classic cocktails as well. So you get a little bit more versatility and I, I think just a better, more well-rounded bourbon with the bonded. Yeah, so what age does, that extra age statement, is gonna add just a little bit deeper, more complex flavor to it. Our Michigan Straight Bourbon is also wonderful. It's an easy sipper. It's got the smoothness and uh, easy to drink qualities that this one does. It just doesn't have quite the complexity on the back end. It's been in a barrel just for about a year less than this one. So once you get past that three years, every year just adds a little bit of layer of flavor to it. And, and we're going to continue to release older and older bourbons as we get older as a company. Um, but what we can guarantee is that anything that we put on the market right now is something that we really enjoy drinking and we think that there's a place for it. Uh, we're just trying to kind of create products that fit into different categories to, to appease more customers all at once. So bottle and bond means that you guys have to adhere to this stringent process. Uh, you guys have to check, you know, check these boxes in order to call it this. How would you say that your bottled and bond might differentiate from another bottle and bond on the shelf, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can differentiate bourbon, whether it's bottle and bond or not, from other competitors, and that's mash bill. Um, which we talked about ours is 70% corn, 15 rye, 15 barley. That right there is going to impart different flavors. The machine that you're using, um, the cuts that you make at the end. And now we're kind of getting into the nerdier parts of the distillation process, which we'll stay away from a little bit. But there's a lot of ways. I mean, you can have three different distilleries using the exact same mash bill and come out with completely different products. Um, there's just a lot of different ways to impart subtle flavor notes into your bourbon, where you're aging it. What is the atmosphere like when, when you're aging it and how long you've aged it? Um, but what we think is, is really important and the story that we like to tell with this is, again, this juice came from grains that we sourced, turned into mash, fermented, turned into distillate, and then aged on our site until we thought that it was ready to share with you all. And that's where we really kind of distinguish ourselves from other um, distilleries on the market is, is we're just, we're not in the practice of blending, uh, we're in the practice of distilling. And there's great qualities to either one of those methods of business. We just really want folks to know that this is our juice from the ground all the way to the bottle. And that's kind of what differentiates this product from, from a lot on the market. And quite honestly, making, we were talking a little bit off air about the challenges of starting a distiller. The biggest challenge was in the very beginning, we made um, that business model that we were not going to source anybody else's whiskey. We were going to make all the whiskey that we sell to our consumers from the ground all the way up. So for those first three to four years, we had we were laying down barrels upon barrels of whiskey, but we didn't have any to sell. None of them were mature enough, we felt like, to share with our customer base. And those few years were tough. We were out there. I remember being on a scooter. I would take my scooter. Everybody kind of knew me around town. I'd have a scooter and a backpack with our um, gin and a vodka. And I would just go to all the different liquor stores and, and try to peddle our gin and vodka um, to continue to cash flow well enough to make more bourbon. And so it, it's fun to kind of look back on that seven, eight years ago and to see where we are now. Folks enjoying our bourbon to the point that we are in the middle of um, creating a brand new distillery just north of Grand Rapids that's going to allow us to quadruple in, um, in our production immediately. And with a couple small tweaks down the road, if we need to, we can exponentially increase our, our, um, our distillation. So it just means 
what that means for you all is more bourbon is is coming. Um, unfortunately, great things take time. So we're still years away from experiencing that increased demand because we'll start laying down more barrels as soon as 2024 um, in our new facility. But you know they won't they won't be ready to sip for a few more years after that. So it's just this process, and it's a really fun process to get your hands dirty with, and um, have, having that control over this liquid from the ground all the way up just gives you that much more uh, flexibility to kind of make things that you think the market's interested in or that we're interested in. And, and it's just, uh, it's been a fun but challenging process. So I have a question. Um, you know, as a small distiller and a local distiller, you're going against some big brands. You're going against national brands with deep pockets, big marketing budgets, all of that stuff. It can be very intimidating. That can be very challenging. So what was the point in your journey where you realized I think we have something, we're gonna make this. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. So I'm gonna start with a little anecdotal joke story that I tell on our tours. Um, a few years back, Jim Beam lost an entire rickhouse and it went down and crashed everywhere and like bourbon was spilling into streams and creeks and wildlife was probably enjoying themselves, but also it was hurt, hurting them to that. <laughs> um, but anyway, they, I read an article that they lost 40,000 barrels. And I thought to myself, that is an incredible amount of barrels. And I kept reading and it said that was 1% of their barrel portfolio. And at that time we had 1% of the 1% that they lost. And that was a really eye-opening article to read. Like, you know what, this is, it, it's kind of freeing because you'll realize that we're never going to be tasked with feeding the masses of bourbon. That's just never going to be the Eastern Kill Journey, which allows us to be a little bit more creative, a little more nuanced, a little bit more flexible in what we create. Um, and we get to create it with a lot more intention. We, we don't have to worry about the big products that are driving this huge machine just yet, which allows us creative flexibility. Um, for example, our rye whiskey, a lot of big companies don't want to get super risky with their rye whiskey. They want to have a lot of corn in that mash bill to kind of soften it up and make it smooth, as some folks would say. We are not going to be responsible for feeding rye to millions of people. So we did something that we thought was different and tasty, and we went with 85% rye grain in our mash bill, which makes it earthy and a little spicy and a lot more interesting in our opinions. And that's how we differentiate ourselves. And, and then guess what? I want a double gold in San Francisco and it seems like other folks enjoy it. And so it just allows us the ability to try things that maybe big companies wouldn't because they have a, uh, they, they have a, a lot bigger stakes that they're trying to play with. So the, the risks are harder to take. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that answered your question. That is a selling point. What do you think, uh, what do you think the proof was on those fish? <laughs> I'm thinking they got a lot. Unfortunately, they probably all had a little too much. Uh, you're probably right. I you're think a lot right. of them were belly up. <laughs> that's that's hard. That's hard. But no, that is a really, really interesting perspective. And definitely, like, I see the security and comfort in that. And you're allowed to do whatever you want. You you want to put out something. Within reason. Within reason. Within, within reason. reason. Within yeah. reason. Yeah. I don't know about like an asparagus whiskey. I feel like that might be hard. Um, yeah. And <laughs> disgusting. Until <laughs> you have somebody do it right. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> no, I, that, but that's the thing is you guys would be allowed to take those liberties and not uh, fear the wrath of, you know, the, the consumer. 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're still going to tell us if they like something or not. And, <laughs> and, and, and But what we get to say to them is, hey, we understand, especially when it comes to the rye. The, the bourbon, we don't tweak too much. It's pretty... It's made traditionally like other bourbons. We tweak it in our tiny ways, but it's still very, and same with our rye, I guess. It's a, it's certainly still in the rye category and, and shares a lot of similarities with other ryes out there, but we wanted to make it a little earthier and a little spicier. And some folks are gonna say, you know what? I like such and such rye, it's a little smoother. And we're like, that's great. Not everything is gonna be for everybody, right? And that's kind of our motto. We're gonna make things that we think are interesting and enjoyable. And we also know that there's a lot of options out there and not everybody's going to choose the same option. Right. And that's okay with us. And I think that that kind of freedom that we have now to be a little bit more creative in our process is, is going to benefit, especially fans of ours and people that like what we're doing now, we're, we're going to continue to drive that and, and improve upon it and, and mature along with it. What's also amazing too, is that a lot of the smaller distilleries may not have a tasting room. But you guys have the ability to get the consumer feedback and yeah. figure out what people are gravitating towards and what they like and what, see what the potential for distribution for a product would be. Right. So I think that's great. And I think you are going to get even more of that when you open up your new distillery this fall. So tell us a little bit about that distillery, uh, the capacity, what it's going to do for your production capacity. Um, and I mean, I, I live right by it. So I drive by all the time and it looks amazing. I can't wait. Thanks. Yeah, we're, we're really excited. We, we uh, purchased 16 acres up in the woods just south of Rockford, which is about 10 minutes north of Grand Rapids. Um, we are building a much larger um, distillation, barrel storage. And then for the first time ever, we're going to be including a kitchen. Um, so we're going to be focusing um, on food as well. We're going to have outdoor areas, fire pits. We'll have live music. Um, we'll have an indoor area as well. We'll have a private room that folks can rent. We're, we're kind of, we want to make a space that's fun to gather, fun to hang out. And as well as obviously we'll, we'll have our world-class cocktail program out there as well. And, and we're just hoping that this is going to drive more traffic and interest to visits. Um, our cocktail bars right now are, are wonderful, but it's hard if you're out with family or if you're out with somebody that doesn't love just plain spirits and we don't offer food yet. It's just, it's a little bit more limiting in the customers that are going to come see us. So this is going to expand that customer base, hopefully allow us to tell our story to more folks and, and connect with more people as well as building a little community around that distillery for locals as well. Um, so we're excited about that. This is set to open this fall or this winter. We think that's going to open up some opportunities to to really tell a story a little bit better and hopefully help uh, Dave and, and all of you folks on the street help get our word out a little bit more, our name out there a little bit more and, and make selling uh, easier down the road. Um, speaking of that, we are workshopping a few different products that we hope to be releasing by the end of this year. So keep your eyes open. We're, we're starting to dabble in a couple different um, RTD options. We know that that is something that is trending upward. Um, we're going to do more bottled RTDs. So we've got a couple of fun announcements coming soon as we continue to workshop and get more confident in our ability to put out something top notch. And we have a couple um, flavored options coming as well. Um, bourbon, gin, a couple different, couple different things coming your way. So we're really excited about this year and what 2024 is gonna bring when we open up new capabilities and capacity to our production facility. And uh, hope you all take that journey with us. Talk about a teaser. That sounds awesome. <laughs> it sounds like you guys have a lot in the works. And that's 
I'm so excited to see what happens next. I'm sure we all are. I think Imperial might need to do a little party there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We would, love, we would love to have you all. Yeah, some kind of launch, something like mm-hmm. that. It'd be a lot of fun. Absolutely. So do you guys, you guys have social? I've seen EK Dave, is that? That's me. Yeah. Um, follow Probably a, Dave. a mediocre follow, <laughs> but... Uh, I'll, I'll post some Eastern Kill updates on there as well. Um, He's got some cute kids you get to see too. Yeah, sure. Yeah, get to know the fam a little bit. Um, so we've got uh, two Instagram accounts. We've got uh, Eastern Kill Distillery and also EK Wealthy, which is where we are sitting now. Um, and then you can find us on Facebook, Eastern Kill Distillery, and also on the web at easternkilldistillery.com. That's awesome. Yeah, go ahead and follow them. And then... I think you want to tell the people, tell the world what's up, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just hope everybody shares the same enthusiasm that we have for these new products. Uh, more to come later this year, and then also obviously the big development with Rockford opening up uh, before the end of the year. So, lots of excitement here, lots of big things happening, and uh, we're excited to partner with Imperial. That's awesome. Thank you guys so very, very much for allowing us to come and, and take so much of your time and uh, taste these wonderful beverages and learn so much from you. It is an absolute honor. I'm genuinely, genuinely appreciative. And uh, thank you, Courtney, for joining us. Absolutely. And uh, sharing your expertise. And uh, thank you for listening to Imperial Beverage Presents Another Round. Looking forward to joining you again next time. And until next time, cheers. Actually, so we have a special last minute high profile addition to this episode, specifically because I shut my laptop and didn't finish. Oops. Uh, <laughs> so I we finished and forgot to talk about uh, this absolutely amazing beverage that EK makes, uh, their coffee liqueur. Um, it's become really, really popular in the last year. So it's actually been out for a while now. Uh, it's oh. just with the rise in popularity of espresso martinis and white Russians and a lot of the coffee liqueur-based cocktails that we've seen a big spike in sales from that product. So our coffee liqueur is an all-natural alternative to Kahlua. We actually start with a locally roasted espresso from Stovetop Roasters right here in Grand Rapids. And then we use a few simple natural ingredients to complement that. We use a raw turbinado sugar, which is only refined once, so it still carries over a lot of that natural molasses flavor. We use Madagascar vanilla beans that we split and scrape by hand into this batch of uh, cold brew that we create. Uh, And then we use our vodka as the alcohol base for the liqueur. So the idea behind it was to create a coffee liqueur that really captures that freshly brewed flavor of coffee, which we find is is so often missing from a lot of these products. So it's a perfect fit for all those coffee drinks that are all the rage right now. Um, And similar to our other liqueurs that we discussed previously the Genepi and the Fernet, a little bit goes a long way. So uh, we don't really see this coffee craze going anywhere. And we honestly believe that the, the quality and the value are right there with our coffee liqueur. So it's a, it's a perfect solution and a perfect fit for a lot of accounts across the state that are looking for that uh, all-natural, local alternative to a uh, mass-produced coffee liqueur like a Kahlua. That's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, when did you guys first start making it? 
So we actually started making it uh, pretty early on. We made it uh, similar to the Genepi and the Fernet in very small batches, uh, usually five gallons or less. And similar to those products, we were using it as part of our cocktail program. Um, one day we actually had some account executives uh, doing a tour of our facility. They they happened to sample the coffee liqueur and they fell in love with it. So from that moment on, we scaled it up and launched it into distribution. Um, and, and as you mentioned earlier, within the past year or two, there's really been a, a spike in popularity with those liqueurs. And what we what we love about it is, uh, again, it's all natural. Um, it's not using any artificial flavors or ingredients. Uh, and there's no dairy byproducts in there as well. So it's totally shelf stable. Um, and, and like I mentioned, it just really captures that that coffee bite that's usually missing from those mass produced liqueurs. Sure. It's great for on premise, great for off premise. Great for everyone. Great at home. Great for a tailgate. Great uh, for a nightcap. You make, everything in between you make a fancy drink with it or you can drink it while watching tv yeah exactly or, or throw a shot and uh, your cup of coffee in the morning to uh have a fun start to your day mint saturday morning moods that's yeah totally. thank you again for that uh that quick update sorry about that i didn't mean to miss that so thank you again and i'll just edit this in I'll just... <laughs>